or continuing our series beyond words we've been looking at words that Jesus spoke when he was dying on the cross and we have said the, these are profound words and they're very powerful words i think they have deep implications and so thus they really are words that are beyond words and you know, uh, Jesus, a few hours before he was crucified on the cross, he gathered with the disciples. They were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he went there to pray. And, of course, we know that prayer, Father, not my will, but your will. It was complete surrender from Jesus. You know, in fact, Jesus prayed so intently that that agony was so great that he sweat blood. And I think it was because he knew what was ahead for him. And although I try to understand, I do not believe we can truly comprehend what Jesus went through. He had done nothing wrong. He was unjustly tried, convicted. You know, Roman soldiers, they beat him senseless. He received what was known as 39 lashes, which most people died from before they received the 39th one. They blindfolded him. They beat his face with their fists. They mocked him, spit on him, abused him. They, they shoved a crown of thorns into his skull. And then they drove nails into his hands and feet. Jesus was suspended on that cross for everybody to see. Friends, this is humanity at its worst, but God at his best. You know, Jesus had come to this world, and we talked about this last week, to address humanity's greatest need, and that's the need for forgiveness, forgiveness of sin. And as Jesus was dying on the cross, he prayed that prayer that we talked about. You know, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. The scripture says this, and after this, Jesus knew that everything at last had been completed. I'm thirsty, he said, fulfilling what the Bible had said. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, and so they soaked a sponge in it put it in the hispus, that branch. It was a medication back then and held it to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus' final three words before he died, it is finished. And the irony in that is that those were life-giving words. Jesus fulfilled, he accomplished the very last detail of what God had called him to do. You know, I've thought about when he said that. I mean, it may have been a triumphant cry, or perhaps it was a very private whisper to his father saying, it's done. I've done everything that you sent me here to accomplish. It is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. 
three words in the English, right? Well, in the Greek, it's one word. It's one word. Tautelesti. It's one word saying it's ended. It's completed. It's been executed. You know, it's a word that in that day they would write on a legal document. And it was to show that the bill had been paid in full. Teleste. You know, it is finished. I've completed what I was sent to do. Debt's been paid, you know. Teleste. The one word, it's a rich word, it's a complex word. It carries also the idea of a servant that's returning and they're returning and they've done what they were sent to do. I've completed what you sent me to accomplish. I did it. You know, this term's also a term that the priests would use. They would examine the lamb before it was to be sacrificed. And they would say, tell it, tell liste. You know, we, they declared the lamb perfect and suitable for that sacrifice. And so when Jesus says it, it is way beyond just a word. It carries all that imagery. It is finished. You know, history would be changed. The mission that God had sent Jesus to accomplish was completed. You know, the perfect Lamb of God became the ultimate sacrifice for sin. Jesus finished that. He canceled the debt. He paid it in full. It is finished. Jesus, he had fulfilled all the, uh, you know, prophecy of the Old Testament, prophecy that had been written, you know, hundreds of years prior to this. Jesus completed all of it. There are over 300 prophecies. They're very, very specific in the Old Testament. The probability, they say, of someone fulfilling just a handful of those from a mathematical point of view, statistically very improbable. But somebody fulfilling all of them, I mean, mathematically, almost impossible. But that's what Jesus did. He fulfilled them all completely. You know, prophecies about his birth, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. He fulfilled them all. I mean, here's just a few in the last few hours, Ben, that's been our focus. You know, Jesus fulfilled these. You know, the Old Testament prophesied, Amos said that darkness would fall on all the land. It did. Remember, it went dark. You know, Isaiah, he declared that Jesus would be rejected, that he would be beaten, that he would be spit upon. He, Isaiah said that the Messiah would pay, pay the debt, you know, and that he would pray on that cross for everybody that had persecuted him. And we know he did that, didn't he? That's what we talked about last week. You know, that the Messiah would be crucified. Isaiah said he'd be crucified between two criminals. That he would be wounded and bruised for our transgressions, and Jesus was. You know, the psalmist said that people would cast lots for his clothing. 
that none of his bones would be broken, that his side would be pierced, and it all happened. You know, Zechariah said the Messiah would be forsaken by, by his friends and those closest to him, and that is exactly what took place. I mean, they scattered when Jesus was under trial. All those things happened. All those prophecies were fulfilled. It was completed. It was finished. I mean, what else was finished? Well, I think Satan's plan was completely destroyed. You know, the moment Jesus came to this world and came to this earth, it changed everything. You know, Satan did everything he could to try and keep Jesus from accomplishing his mission. Satan wanted to keep Jesus from going to the cross, but Jesus finished it. He completed what his father had sent him to do, every detail of it. Jesus became that perfect sacrifice, paid the debt, paid the sin debt in full. Sin lost its power in that moment. You know, it's sting for all of us who are in Christ. That's that's why we celebrate. Jesus, in those last moments, looks to his Father in heaven. He says, it is finished. I've done what you sent me here to do. That's good news, isn't it? It's great news. You know, and, and now here, here's the bad news, all right? Jesus finished his work, but you have not. If you're alive, if you're still breathing, you have unfinished business in this world. There's more that God wants you to do. There's more that God wants to do in you and through you. We all, all of us, have unfinished business. You know, John, he would write some words that I believe make you pause. In fact, I'll go a step further and say they are words that are even a little bit disturbing at times. And he says, says this, I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. We all have unfinished business in our lives. And I I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I I will tell you, I, I was excited. I was excited about it. I was on fire for God but most of the people that were around me, well, let's just say they were not so excited about it. And then life happens, right? You ever have life happen to you? <laughs> I mean, life happened, and my passion for Christ, it cooled off a little bit. There was a bit of uh, complacency that kind of set in. I wasn't spending as much time with God as I had in the past. And then I read that passage right there. And it kind of set me back. It kept echoing in my head. I couldn't get away from it. It it shocked my heart and it woke me up. You know, it got got my heart beating hard again for, for God. 
wanting God to, to work in me and through me. And I realized that God had stuff for me to complete. You know, shortly after that, I kind of recommitted to my life, and then I committed to ministry. And every time since, and I have those moments too where I get slippage going on, I get a little lazy. I read that passage right there. Because that has a way of just getting to the heart. See, unfinished business. I have things to accomplish for God, to be used by God, to make a difference in this world, to make a difference in in eternity. You know, and so what I do in those moments is I just seek God. And here's the amazing thing. When you seek God, God will guide. You know, he'll prompt. And I'll sense that and go, okay, that's, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And so here's my question for you. What is God calling you to do? To complete Whatever just flashed in your head, maybe that's it. It may not be, but there's a good chance that that thing that you go, oh, that's what, you know, it might be something you're supposed to do, something you're supposed to say. You know, maybe you're, you're being called to sacrifice or to give up something or to quit something in your life. You know, maybe you got a burden for something. You know, God's calling you to serve in that particular area of ministry. You know, maybe God's calling you to start a ministry, to make a change in your life, to strengthen some area, get out of debt, get your priorities straightened out and in order, you know, spend more time with your family. I mean, maybe, maybe God's been pressing you to share your faith with someone at work or school or neighbor. I don't know what it is, all right? But it's unfinished business. That I'm clear on. I challenge you just to ask God to reveal what that is. You know, God will do it through Scripture. He'll do it through His Holy Spirit, just times of meditation and prayer. Every day you wake up, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to to live, (laughs) to accomplish whatever it is that God's called you to. It's an opportunity, a God-given opportunity, by the way. You know, Jesus finished well. Jesus completed everything that God had called him to do. And I want to point out, and this should be obvious, I think, We live in a culture where people start many, 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 many things, but finish very few things. True? And so if that's the case, how do you finish well? How do you complete whatever it is that God's called you to do? I mean, how do you finish strong in your faith and in your life? Well, the first thing, you got to make a commitment. And I know, as I say, that some of you have already just glazed over because you're going, well, I've tried that. I did the work. I made a commitment. It didn't work out. 
right? Here's what I'll say as kindly as I can. Did you really? Did you really commit? See, I think our society has a skewed view of what commitment is. And Paul, he's going to clarify this for us. Apostle Paul says, now finish the work so that your eager willingness, that's a little awkward, isn't it? Your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your what? Completion of it according to your means. Culture tends to confuse excitement with commitment. Committed until there's an obstacle. Committed till it gets difficult to do. Committed till it's kind of complicated. You know, committed until I have to sacrifice something, really? It really isn't commitment, friends, unless you're willing to do whatever you got to do and go through whatever you got to go through to complete it, period. You know, in the spring uh, 1519, you know, Hernando uh, Cortez, recognize that name? I mean, he's commissioned by the governor uh, of Spain. And he's to take 500 men, 11 ships, and go discover the new world. They were excited about the opportunity. Eager willingness. You know, and so they set sail. They're going to expand the territories of Spain. They, they expected that they would find new resources and treasures and, you know, this new world opportunities. And they landed in Veracruz. Well, friends, their eager willingness began to wane. They, they encountered uh, native resistance, difficulties, shortages. The situation became so dire that most of the crew wanted to go home at that point. And Cortez, he realized that the opposition, it, it was beginning to grow. And so he ordered that all the ships be burned and sunk. See, he didn't want people turning back. He was going to get rid of that option. And so he had that, he had that done. That's commitment, isn't it? I mean, that's the passion to desire to do whatever it is you're going to do. That's drawing the line in the sand and saying, we're not turning back. That's how you finish strong in, in your life. No turning back. When you, when you commit, it, it, it have that kind of resolve, so to speak. You'll finish whatever it is that's before you. It's the kind of commitment that Jesus had. You know, Jesus, again, he's in the, the garden. This is right before the arrest. Jesus knows what's ahead. And he has this internal battle going on. The, the stress was overwhelming. I mean, so much so he's sweating blood at this point. And he says, Father, 
if you're willing, remove this cup from me. If there's any other way, God, please. I mean, Jesus, as he's praying, something changes. We don't exactly know what, but Jesus steps over the line here and he commits himself because he says, yet, not my will, but your will be done. Friends, if you're going to finish the race, if you're going to accomplish whatever it is that God's called you to, it starts with commitment. It starts with commitment. No retreat. You make the commitment, and then you take the next step. And the next step, and the next step, it's one step after another. That's how you get stuff done. Why? Well, because there's this chasm, right? There's a chasm where you are today and where God wants you to be. It's a chasm. I don't know how big it is. But the chasm is why most people do not finish stuff that they start. They look at how big it is, that expanse, between here and where they want to be, and it's overwhelming because it's so far away. And we go, I I can't do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. With God's help, you can. Not overnight, all right? But one step at a time. You can do it one step at a time. How many of you remember Bill Murray's movie, What About Bob? (laughs) All right, so you can help me here. What are we going to take in our lives? What is it? Baby steps. Thank you. (laughs) I was hoping somebody had seen the movie. So, I mean, baby steps. And if you you remember the show, it made it so funny because he's in the office and he goes, baby steps through the office. You know, baby steps out the door. Baby steps into the hall. Baby steps to the elevator. Baby steps in the elevator. He wants out of the building, but he does it with what? Baby steps. Small, reasonable steps. Baby steps. That's how you get out of debt. Baby steps to a stronger marriage. Baby steps to get that degree. Baby steps to overcome an addiction. Baby steps to start that business, to start that ministry. Baby steps to the promise of whatever it is God wants to do in and through you. It's baby steps. The psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Friends, it's the beauty of faith. God does not show you a detailed map, usually. But God will give you just enough, just enough revelation, just enough illumination, just enough of the future that you can take a baby step in life. And when you're faithful with that step, 
when you're obedient and you move forward, God will continue to illuminate the path, the next step and the next step and the next step. And most people stand here and they go, well, I'm waiting for the whole path. And it's like, God's not going to give you a whole path. He wants you to take that first step. My whole life, following God as faithfully as I can, sometimes not as good as other times, but it's been a series of lots of little steps in my life. It's how I got in ministry, baby steps, one step after another, after another. It's how I got my doctor's degree, one step after another, after another, all these little baby steps. It's how Faith Fellowship started, baby steps, one step and then another. It required commitment you know, to finish, no, no matter what. We, do, we just said there's no retreat in us. When it got difficult, when there, there were obstacles and challenges, we just said no quitting, no quitting here. Just allow God to illuminate the path so that we understood what the next step was and we'd take the next step with faith and then it was another step and another step, one after another after another. It's how you're going to get out of debt. It's how you're going to restore your marriage. It's how you're going to heal that hurt in your life. It's how you're going to accomplish whatever that dream is. It's how you're going to do almost anything that is worthy of your efforts, worthy of your life. See, I don't know what God's calling you to, but this I know. You can do it. And with God, all things are possible. You know, it's why Paul, he would proclaim claim this in Philippians 4.13. He says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. That's how God works. So what's your next step? Best advice I got for you. Take it. Apply to the school. Sign up for the class. Cut the credit cards up. You know, create a budget. You know, fill out the resume. You know, sharpen that particular skill set in your life. You know, make the call. Read the book. Surrender your life to Christ. If you're going to finish strong, first thing that it requires is you got to make a commitment. And then you got to take the next step, whatever it is, you got to take it. And then when you take that one, take another one. I, I think about all that Jesus went through, those final hours, you know, as he's heading to the cross, the betrayal, the trial, the injustice, the abuse. I mean, it's off the chain. And each step, brought Jesus closer to the cross, closer to death, closer to what God had sent him to accomplish, to bring salvation and forgiveness to a broken world. And Jesus finished it. He says, it's finished. And they took his last breath. If you have breath in you, 
you're not finished yet. God has a purpose for your life. And the question is, will you be faithful with that? Will you finish whatever the task is that God puts before you? Will you commit to finishing it? Will you obediently take the step that's in front of you? And I I hope this uh, just as a type of encouragement for you, because it's encouraged me a lot through the years. But Paul writes this, he says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. 1968 Olympics is in uh, Mexico City. And a man by the name of John Stevens uh, Akwar, he was uh, Tanzanian, and he set out to win the gold medal that year. He was a marathon runner, and about midway through the race, there's just a horrible accident. And it resulted in him, he was all gashed up, and he dislocated his knee. That would have kept most people from finishing the race, period. All the runners, they left him behind. And if you know how in the Olympics, when they run the marathon, the final finish is in the stadium, and they run, they run their final laps in the stadium. Everybody thought the race was over. They were clearing the stadium out. Aquari, he um, kind of shocked the world because he came hobbling into the stadium. He's got blood running down his leg. He, he can hardly wipe, but he, he fought to the finish. And, and he finished that race that most people would have quit. And they interviewed him later, and they asked him, they said, why would you finish that race? And he said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish it. Friends, God did not call you to start a race. He called you to finish it. And so I'm going to ask again, what unfinished business do you have to do in your life? Commit to it. Take the next step and the next step and the next step. Why? So you finish the race. Because that's what matters. Christ followers, we're called to finish the race. You know, Paul says this in Acts. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim. See, he's going to clear it all out for us. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given to me. Now he's going to tell us what his race was, task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He preached the gospel. That was Paul's race. Friends, life is not about you. Never has been. I know culture will tell you it is, but it's not. It's about what God's called you to. 
who God created you to be, called you to be. And whatever God is calling you to do, you commit to it. And you start taking steps toward it so you can finish the race. Why is that so important? Well, one day, you'll be in heaven, and you will bow before God. Tell, tell, let's stay. It's finished, Lord. I finished what you called me to do. I finished the race that was before me to the best of my ability. And if you say that, then you hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But it's only if we do what God's called us to do. You know, what kind of race are you going to run? Best advice, finish the race that God puts before you. Finish it. Finish it. We all have unfinished business. But we've got to finish it, whatever it is. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, I pray that um, your Holy Spirit would just nudge us, that uh, we'd all get a crystal clear picture of what it is you're calling us to. And God, I know there's some that are not sure right now, but God, I pray that you'd just whisper, that you'd make it clear. And then God, help us to commit to that, to run after that. Run until we finish, whatever it is. God, we know you have a future for us, something greater than we can even imagine. God, use us. Give us the strength to just keep running. God, we give you the glory. We give you the praise with all we say and do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And God's people said, Let's continue worship as we prepare for communion at this time.